Yes, good morning, you all. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to get things going. I want to go to McDonald's and get a couple of sausage egg McMuffins because Laura's coming today, so around 12, 11.30, 12 o'clock. So my time is constrained. I already had my shower. Uh, and after this podcast, I'll head out and go to McDonald's. This podcast is generated uh, primarily from posts that I see. There's this woman on Instagram who was recently divorced. Um, she's mentally ill. That's, that's all there is to it. If you want to be honest about the situation, the woman's mentally ill. I don't know if it was the the marriage experience that, you know, I don't know if she's has, uh, here's my first young. I don't know if she has, um, you know, underlying mental difficulties. I don't know if the divorce was messy. Well, I know it was, she's, in, she's alluded to the fact that the divorce was, you know, an unpleasant um, messy affair, but not, but she didn't really give any description of how it was. She just <clears throat> implied that it wasn't a happy, you know, dissolution of their marriage. Who knows why? Probably infidelity. That seems to be the most common. I don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand how someone goes from being married and yelling, excuse me, and professing undying love and all that stuff to where they have, you know, an affair and end up, how can you, I don't, I don't know anyway, but anyway, the thing is this, she posts some of the worst advice I'd say to any, for anybody who really in any situation, I don't think divorce isn't, you know, the single driving factor. Um, I'm sorry. I wish I could stop yawning. It's just, psychosomatic with my podcasting um any situation that involves other people um i would say the well the way i deal with with things i think for me it's the best and maybe it's not for other people i'm not a drama queen or king so for me um a disillusion of a relationship uh, would there be a marriage or friendship or an association of any kind i never leave with drama or fanfare i'm not i'm just not that kind of a person i quietly leave um i'll leave you standing there telling me that i'm the biggest sob you ever met or i'm a liar or whatever it is you want to say i don't care um because when i have determined it's time for me to leave um i leave I leave, uh, you know, sometimes unannounced. Um, but I never leave in a flurry. Uh, uh, excuse me. I never leave in a flurry of words or accusations and, you know, pr- pronostications. I don't do stuff like that. Um, I just don't. For me, partly dignity. You know, it's beneath my dignity to do that kind of stuff. Um, another reason is because it, you're leaving. So what value is there in cursing somebody or threatening them or you're, you'll are you see and all that kind of The things people normally say to others, you'll see when I'm gone, you'll miss me. Well, no, I won't. Maybe other people will, but I won't. If I'm leaving you, I'm certainly not going to miss you. 
oh, there's sometimes I have regrets. And sometimes I'm even, well, I fool myself. Excuse me. I fool myself into thinking that I made a mistake and maybe I can reconcile, and, but, but it never works for me. I always end up feeling like I betrayed myself, like I was an idiot to, to even think about going back. That's how it is for me. I don't know how it is for other people. Um, she gives advice, be a badass, um, you know, be, be as selfish as you need to be. Her advice is very poor advice. I would not say any of those things to anybody. I would not tell somebody to be as selfish as, as you need to be, whatever, because selfishness doesn't leave the happiness. You know, selfishness doesn't give you lasting satisfaction. It certainly doesn't justify you. So that's, that's very poor. But be a badass. What does that mean? Um, you know, other, other things are, you know, um, sing your song and dance your dance of life. Such vague instructions. There's no substance to it. That's why I say I think the woman's mentally ill. I think she's under tremendous stress and probably had so much trauma in her marriage and subsequent divorce. It's caused her to not think straight, to not think rationally. She's lashing out. She probably didn't want to get divorced. She probably didn't want to be single. Um, there's probably a lot of things she feared, you know, being single um, on her own. She's not very attractive. She's, you know, kind of, she has weight on her. So physically, she's not attractive. Um, she does a lot of facial and body cues, trying to look sexy and mysterious and all that. Um, I feel sorry for her. I really do. I feel sorry for anybody whose life is in that type of a situation where they have to pretend, they have to create this surrealistic, surreal, surrealistic life. So a surrealistic life for themselves in order to survive the realities of life. And that's what I think she's done. She's created this surrealistic life that she can live in and exist in and not have to deal with the realities of life, which I think are too pressing and demanding for her. I think it's too disappointing for her. So she pretends that she's this sexy thing, and I just feel sorry for her. Because I don't think she's a bad person. She doesn't come off as a bad person. You can see in her face kindness and warmth, a yearning. You can see that. Um, her eyes are pleading. You know, she wants she wants to be accepted. She wants to be, you know, admired. You can see all this stuff. She wants to be loved. You can see that. Um, but on the subject of departures, I think, and this this has actually saved friendships of mine in the past when I was falsely accused of stuff, and the person who was the friend knew me and should have known better than to listen to their other friend. Um, there was an incident years ago where a person confided in me about something. And the problem was they confided in other people too. Yeah. So one of my not so friendly, well, there was a person in our group who didn't really like me. You know, this other person was crazy about me. 
but the person who didn't like me, it wasn't a, a strong dislike. It was more of a suspicious, you know, suspicious of me. They were suspicious of me and they didn't really trust me, but they associated with me and, and, you know, interacted with the group, but I wasn't fully accepted by them. Well, this person confided in the person that was crazy about me um, with things. In other words, it's, they, this person who didn't really like me confided in me of certain things of their life. So let's say A to E, five things. Well, they confided in this other person with the same five things they confided in me, and they confided in them many more things, which I didn't even know about until the person who was crazy about me told me some of the things that this person confided in confided in them with. So anyway, there was this big kartoffel, if you want to call it that. And the person who didn't really like me confronted me and accused me of breaking breaking their confidence. And I said, I didn't break your confidence. I said, I don't do stuff like that. And they said, oh, no. And they told me how the person who was crazy about me told them I said things about her, and it wasn't true. I didn't say anything about the woman. I was told by this other woman things about this woman. So now I'm at a fork in the road, and this is something I'm going to teach you. If you want to be dignified and moral, if you want to be noble, these are the choices you have to make. So it was in Periscope, if you guys remember Periscope. It was a broadcasting app. We'll call the person who's crazy about me A. We'll call the person who didn't really like me B. So I'm going to teach you how I handled the situation and left it alone. Okay. B tells me, C, I'll be C. B tells C confidential things about their life. I assure B that I will not tell anybody. B tells A the same things they told me, but tells them even more. Really deep stuff. A tells C the deep stuff that B told A that B did not tell C. Um, and I cautioned A about the things they were telling me because I said, well, you said she told you in confidence. And this is what A said to me. Oh, it's okay because I know you won't tell anybody. So A was betraying B's confidence by telling C, who is me, what B had told them. Well, in a broadcast I was in, B accused me of, oh, I made a statement that I, I don't break confidences. When, in, the, in the broadcast, I said, um, whoever the host was, was a guy called Roman God. So I told Roman God, I said, yeah, well, people tell me stuff all the time, but I don't tell other people. Well, B was in that broadcast, and B said, that's not true. And I said, I was surprised. And I said, it's not true? What do you mean it's not true? And they said, well, you told A um, things I told you in confidence. And they said, that's not true. I didn't do that. And they said, yes, A told me you told them. Now, here's my fork in the road. A told me B's business and confidence. B told me some of B's 
you know, personal life uh, in confidence. So I had a choice. I could tell B the things A said to me, and they were really damaging things. I mean, I would never do this to a person. Uh, it was very damaging. Um, and, and to speak in front of people, what this person said to me, it would have just, it would have really hurt this person. Because they're two women. So it would have B, it would have really hurt B if I would have told B what A told me to defend myself. Because here was the thing. I knew if I told A, excuse me, if I told B what A had told me, so in other words, if I told B the things that A told me that B had never told me, that would prove to B that I was telling the truth. You know, because that was the dilemma. Do I tell B the things that A told me that B never told me to prove to B that it was A? Or do I keep my mouth shut, which I chose to do, and not betray A's confidence, because she told me in confidence. So I don't betray A. I don't defend myself to B by telling her what A said. And I don't hurt or you know inflict any damage on B by telling her this real damaging stuff that A told me. That was the fork in the road. I chose not to tell her. That was my solution. I will just take the abuse and the false accusations. I'll just accept, you know, the fact that she doesn't believe me. She thinks I told A things she told me, which aren't true. So that's what I chose to do. I chose to just, you know, not let her know what A had told me. So then... I, to challenge B, because I wanted to, at first I wanted to try to prove to B that I was telling her the truth. So I asked her if we could speak privately, but she wasn't willing to speak to me privately. She said she would feel more comfortable if somebody else was was there in our conversation. And it surprised me because I thought I'm trying to work this out with you, but you don't trust me enough to work it, just to talk to me over a phone. You don't. So then I decided, um, I left her a message telling her, let's just, and this is how I handled it. I said, you know what? Um, I've decided against um, talking to you about this uh, because I realized nothing I was going to say was going to convince her. She had decided that I had lied to her, that I had betrayed her confidence. Um, and Proof of that was the fact that she wasn't willing to talk to me alone on a phone. She wanted a witness. So there you go. So for me, it was that realization that this will never really be settled because she doesn't believe me. She's not going to believe me no matter what I say. So I chose to just walk away. So I told her, I said, I left her a message and I said, hey, um, I've, I've, I've thought about um, talking to you about the thing, but I think it's, I just think it's something that um, I just, I don't, I just don't really want to do it. I said, let's just leave it alone. You go your way and I'll go my way and we'll just consider it done. Yeah. I said, take care. That was it. Because I had one, I realized this was not going to be reconciled. She had these thoughts and feelings and perceptions about me. And that's just the way it was. 
And because I wasn't willing to betray A and tell her the dirt that A told me about her, and it was some seriously bad stuff. I mean, I was shocked when she told me because I thought, one, it's horrible, you know, that she's doing these things. But it's two, it's horrible that she told you in confidence and you're freaking telling me. That was bad. So I just chose to walk away quietly and leave it alone. And it's been very nice. I haven't had to deal with the person. It's over and done with. So for me, leaving quietly without saying anything against her, you know, like, yeah, well, you're freaking nuts anyway. If you weren't such a, a you know, so-and-so, um, you'd believe me if you'd used your brains instead of, you know, I could have said a lot of things that were hateful. Had no desire. No desire to say anything hateful. No desire to defend myself. I had no desire to have any involvement with this woman. No desire whatsoever. Uh, because it wasn't a good fit. It was not a good relationship. And nothing good would have come from trying to reconcile with her with this position. It just wouldn't. And I didn't want to tell her the the things that A had told me because it would have broken her heart to realize that she told somebody some very, very personal things, challenges and such in her life that A was telling other people. At that moment, she would have realized the mistake she made. She would have realized I was telling her the truth. But is the cost, to me, the cost wasn't worth it. Um, one, because uh, it's one of the things that I stand as a hallmark to my to who I am. If you tell me something in private, I will not share it with other people. If it's in confidence, it's between you and me, and I won't share it with other people. Even if I get mad at you, we're no longer friends and all this stuff, I still won't do it. I won't betray you. Now, I won't associate with you. You won't have a relationship with me. That that's done. The friendship's over, whatever. The, the, whatever the relationship was, it's over. But I will not attack you or misrepresent you or share confidences from our past. I just won't do it. And I don't want to be, I would never want to be the kind of person that couldn't be trusted. It's really what it comes down to. I don't want to be that kind of person. Um, even if you don't like me, I'd still like to be able to say, that you can trust me. Although I don't associate with very many people I don't like. That <laughs> makes life easier when you don't. Of course, there's some, there's some I have to deal with in various capacities, but then I'm just polite and diplomatic. I, there's no, I don't share myself with those people. It's very, the conversations and interactions are very basic. There's nothing, yeah, there's no close relationship. I won't allow it. Um, and I suggest, I would suggest this to you. If you have any relationship or association, intimate or otherwise, and something goes wrong or there's hurt feelings or whatever happens that necessitates you leaving that association or relationship, I would suggest you do so quietly without fanfare, without accusations, without hate. Without lashing out, just just say say to yourself, this didn't work out. No matter what it is, um, I can't tell you how many women who date um, or are married will tell me how 
her boyfriend or husband is interested in another woman and he's having relations with this other woman. He has an affair with this other woman. Or he's turned his attention. I hear this one infrequently, but I hear it. He's turned his attention to another woman. Don't hear men telling me this stuff very often. This, you know, I'm not surprised, but but I don't. I don't hear very many men talking about how their wife has turned their attention to another man. What I do hear from men is my wife isn't as interested in me as she used to be, or my wife has changed. Um, I hear that one a lot. My wife has changed. And I ask him, I said, well, why do you think she's changed? Well, they always say, I don't know. Most, I'd say almost all the men always tell me, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't think they really do. I, I'm t I think they're telling me the truth. They really don't know, which really is better said. They don't understand. Now, they, I think subconsciously they do know. But on the surface, the conscious level, they don't understand because the thing about a lot of men, most men are very poor about putting the freaking puzzle pieces together when it comes down to determining if they had anything to do with their wife being different or changing or not being the same. Men are poor at that. And the puzzle pieces are usually, this is the usual. Now, granted, maybe before I say, let me preface it with this remark. Women will change because of phys you know, physiological changes, like giving birth to a child or, you know, postpartum depression or, you know, those are the external forces that will change a woman, her behavior and, and such. Usually, if it's not those things, which are pretty easily identified, death of a child, um, a miscarriage, you know, postpartum depression, um, things like childbirth, the physiological changes and, you know, the hormonal changes of childbirth, those things can be readily identified as um, external forces that may be acting upon the woman. Um, but if those easily identified reasons for her change um, are, are not viable reasons for her change, it can usually be traced to the way the husband has changed toward his wife. Yeah. That's usually it. And that is, it could be anything. Um, and I've seen that, like men who flirt with, I had a friend, he used to flirt with every woman. I mean, I don't care what they look like. He flirted with, he was just a flirt. Really, that's what he was. And that was one of the things that his wife found attractive when they were dating. Um, you know, she liked, I don't know, it was really weird, but she liked the fact that Women were interested in him, it seemed, but he was with her kind of a thing. I, I don't understand that kind of BS. Um, like I had a friend whose wife used to cheat on him. Um, and his thing was, yeah, I don't, you know, you know, she's, she's an attractive woman. She can get any man she wants, but she always comes home to me. And I thought, well, that's a freaking poor substitute for a marriage. Your wife's a whore, but she always comes home to you. And I've heard women say it, too. You know, I don't care who he screws on. He doesn't bring anything home like an STD because, you know, 
I don't care how many women, women he's with, George, he always comes home to me. <laughs> well, you're going to find that a, a poor convincer that, to me that you have a good marriage. Simply because he always comes home to you, you're going to try to convince me you have this wonderful marriage? Well, may have, that's, that's your idea of a wonderful marriage. Good luck to you. Um, but that's my preferred way, quiet, uneventful departure. Um, and I think it makes it easy for things to die. If you want to disassociate with someone, um, because the thing is, is that people who leave quietly are the people who are less likely to ever come back. It's done. And the finality of that type of a departure makes a, it makes a very um, <clears throat> definitive impression on the other person. They know it's done. Um, I remember when I was uh, in the church, I was a high priest group leader. And I had a second counselor who just wouldn't do anything. He just wouldn't. I love this guy to death. But um, he had a lot of things going on in his life. His wife had cancer, and, and they would get rid of the cancer, and they'd come back. They'd get rid of the cancer, and come back. It was a roller coaster with him um, and his wife struggling from her cancer. So I think that a lot of it was he was just under he was under a lot of stress, a lot of disappointment. His wife with the cancers coming and going. It was just he was really under a lot. I realized that I needed to release him because he wasn't doing anything, wasn't really making an effort. He he was just there kind of, and he was a wonderful man. It was the things he was dealing with. So I sat in the car with him and I said, I said to him, well, you know, I've had to make a decision. He goes, I know you're going to, you're going to release me. He already knew. But it wasn't with malice. I was releasing him because he wasn't performing because he had all these other things he was dealing with. I was doing him a favor, basically, because it was too much for him. And I said, yes, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. And he goes, it's, it's fine. Don't, don't beat yourself up on it. You know, I know I haven't been doing anything. I haven't been supporting you. You need someone who can be there for you. And he would see this guy was a good man. He knew he wasn't supporting me properly. Um, he knew I needed somebody because I had a first counselor who was trying to run the show. <laughs> Basically, it, it was a it was it was a group of men. It was it was difficult. He knew I needed someone who would do the work, someone who would be there, someone who would perform, and he wasn't doing it. And I think it was he think he was exhausted. He loved his wife to death. He was he was that type of a man. He really loved his wife. And seeing her deteriorate, seeing her have cancer and have it put into remission, or in one case they said it was gone, and then having it come back and threatening to kill her, take her life, it was very stressful for him to see the woman he loved deteriorating from cancer and then have it go into remission only to come back and threaten to take her life again. It was very stressful for him emotionally and mentally to deal and, and physically too, because he was always up doing stuff for her and 
He was a very good husband. He was very good, loyal to the end. He was one of those guys. So my releasing him, I was releasing him reluctantly because I really loved this guy. But he, he kind of preempted me to help me by saying, hey, look, it's okay. You know, we're still friends. Something you need to do. You need someone to support you. He was very, um, very noble, I guess is the best way to put it. Very supportive. Um, he was a real friend. Um, and we, we were friends up until the day he died. Um, one, of, one of the closest men I've been to. Because you could trust this man. He was for real, as they say on the street. Departures should never be done in malice. They shouldn't be. There shouldn't be hate. There shouldn't be vengeance. You know, shouldn't be wishing evil on people. If it comes to the point where you have to leave somebody, you have to divorce them or you have to disassociate with them, whatever the magnitude of the separation is, it should be done with dignity. It should be done with no malice. And it should be final. Yeah. Because if the relationship has come to the point where you have to sever ties with a person, it needs to be final. Yeah, it really does. Um, and that's what I think. Mo I think most people, they don't leave like that. And, well, it just causes more problems in your life because, you, one, you're not at peace. Two, your emotions are flurrying. Um, it's just, it's just complicated. It's better to leave. And when I leave some, somebody, I don't tell other people the reason I just don't, I might give them a little bit of understanding, but I never tell them the confidential stuff we discussed. Um, I never tell them the deep reasons of why I left. I just don't, uh, one, because it's, it's, there's no real benefit to doing that stuff. I know people will do that. Oh, they were such a this and that, and they did this, and I just, you know, I don't do that stuff. Um, I usually tell them what didn't work out, or they changed, which is the truth. Some people change. Some people you used to be able to trust can't trust them anymore. But And when you can't, you lower the expectation. You make adjustments to the relationship. But when the point, when the time comes... Or the point where um, it endangers who you are or it's not satisfying to who you are or the impacts in your life to a point, you may have to um, disassociate. You may have to, um, in, a, in a marriage, you may have to divorce. In a friendship, you may have to leave the friendship. In an association, you may have to leave the association. This depends on what the relationship is. But I would suggest that if you have to leave, make it final. Yeah. And if you see the person later on after you've left them, be polite, be courteous, be diplomatic. Um, keep your distance. Don't seduce yourself into thinking that uh, all those good memories you had together. Because if you had to leave them in a, in, a, in a final way, there was a very good reason. And there's no reason to expect that because there has been this time period away from this person or such, 
that things have changed where now you are, you know, it's okay to associate with them. It's going to work out. There's no guarantee of that. I don't take the chance. Oh, the yawning. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. That's all I have for you today. Um, you have to make your own decisions. You know that. You don't have to tell you that, but I told you anyway, didn't I? Yeah. You have to make your own decisions because of the uniqueness of your, of you and the situation. But I would say as a template for leaving any relationship, any association, that what I suggested would, will do much more for you than if you choose to leave with anger and bitterness and hate and accusations and all the other, as I quote, unquote, BS um, associated with it. Um, just quietly leave and have the satisfaction that you don't have to deal with the BS anymore. Yes. BS. <laughs> like, don't, get, don't get me started on the BS. Okay, take care.